Welcome to Your Health Guide, your how-to prescription for better health, translating cutting-edge research for your everyday life. Join naturopath and health educator Lawrence Katsaris for practical tips and insights to help you on your wellness journey. Thanks for joining me on Your Health Guide. I'm Lawrence Katsaris and we're lucky enough to be joined again by naturopath Nick Brain on this episode to talk to you about how important magnesium is for your health and how to recognise if you need more of it. Nick walks us through how magnesium calms our brain function, and when we don't have enough of it, it can make you feel anxious, stressed, strung out, depressed, and have trouble sleeping. How it's important not just for relaxation of the mind, but also the muscles, and is critical for easing those tight, cramping, painful muscles. We'll also talk about how it improves our energy levels and is used for balancing blood pressure and blood sugar levels giving you a nice broad idea of the symptoms to be aware of that if you're experiencing some of them can tell you that you don't have enough magnesium. The thing is though, there's factors in your life that can mean that you're using higher amounts of magnesium which will worsen your symptoms and mean that you need to focus on getting more of this mineral into you. So Nick will run through what foods are high in magnesium and when you need to look at using therapeutic supplementation. He'll tell you about the different forms of magnesium supplements that are available to you out there on the market and which form will produce the best results for you. I hope this episode explains the importance of magnesium and how this magical mineral can produce wonders for your health. Because truly, if you're experiencing some of the symptoms that we discuss in the episode, magnesium is a great first place to be starting. But like always, I'd recommend that you speak with a practitioner who can provide you with qualified advice directed to your unique health situation. So that's enough from me, let's jump into the show. Nick, thanks so much for joining me on the show again. Oh, thanks for having me back. We're here today to talk about magnesium and how it's so important for our health. And a lot of us may be experiencing symptoms or conditions that can be made worse or even generated purely by magnesium deficiency. So before we jump into that, can you just start us off by telling us what actually is magnesium? Yeah, so uh, magnesium is an essential mineral. We need it every day for all sorts of things in our body. It's actually involved in over 300 chemical reactions throughout our body. Wow, okay, so 300 is a pretty big number. It must be pretty important. What are those chemical reactions doing for us? Have we got time for me to go through them one by one? Oh, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) let's start us off with the most important. Okay, so it does lots of things throughout your body, but when I think about magnesium, the main two areas that I think about are stress and energy. Okay, so what's magnesium doing for our stress, and I'm guessing reducing our stress levels as we know, and how's it doing to improve our energy? Okay, so in terms of stress, there's two main neurotransmitters or or brain chemicals that are involved. We've got glutamate and we've got GABA. So glutamate, I think about like your accelerator. So it helps in learning and activity and motivation. But when it's overactive, it can lead to states of of anxiety and stress. GABA, on the other hand, is a bit more like the brake. So it sort of helps to calm your nervous system down and keep you relaxed. And so magnesium comes in in that it helps the release of GABA to help you stay relaxed, but it also inhibits the release of glutamate. So it stops that excessive sort of anxiety and stress firing. I think it's it's great that you're mentioning about this glutamate GABA because essentially that is the big part of what's driving the imbalances that people are experiencing when they've got that anxiety and stress states and mood disorders like you're talking about. 
And glutamate converts to GABA, doesn't it? And GABA can kind of convert back to glutamate. And magnesium helps to make sure that there's that balance of not too much glutamate and that that glutamate's being converted across to GABA and then making sure that the ratio between glutamate and GABA is kept in this nice harmony to keep us in balance in our brain and in our nervous system, doesn't it? Absolutely, particularly when it's combined with B6. Yeah, nice. So... That harmony, I think, is the balance between that glutamate and that GABA and how magnesium regulates that is so important when you're saying that people with mood disorders, so if I'm stressed, if I'm suffering from you know general anxiety, if I'm even depressed, if I'm not sleeping well, I've got too much glutamate because I don't have enough magnesium to be able to relax and calm down that, that nervous system. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And you can see this... Uh in that magnesium deficiency is associated with all sorts of mental health conditions. So everything from anxiety to you know, insomnia, depression, um, PMT, and even traumatic brain injury, um, magnesium has been shown to be beneficial. Yeah, because we've seen in some animal studies where if they induce it, uh, an acute brain trauma to you know, a rat, as they do in the labs, which is pretty cruel, but unfortunately that's what science can do sometimes. And then if they give them magnesium after that, it can actually reverse the damage. Like So the damage doesn't actually take hold in the brain, and the brain's able to become what they call more plastic. It can kind of adapt and mould and regenerate more effectively. Hmm. And that's in a pretty serious, acute situation. And what you're talking about here is that how magnesium's doing that, or part of how it's doing that, is by... Are regulating the health of that brain and I guess you know the kind of harmony of that brain in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been shown to, to be neuroprotective, so it actually protects you know neurons from being damaged, and as you said, it helps with that plasticity. So it helps your brain adapt to different stresses, which is cool because the thing where we need plasticity for in our general lives is that that helps us learn. That's how our brain rewires itself, and it's rewiring when we're learning. And so that's where you're getting that balance of that glutamate and that GABA to be productive and healthy in through learning. And the magnesium makes sure that you've got that to be in the right amount without getting excess glutamate and getting that highly strung, over-firing, over-stimulated. You've just got the foot on the floor of the accelerator and just driving excess brain activity and nervous system activity, which I think anyone with anxiety, worrying thoughts, like compulsive thoughts can kind of really relate to, can't they? Yeah, I think a really good example that most people can relate to is when you, you're trying to go to sleep at night and just be, you know, as you're trying to drift off, you just got those ruminating thoughts going over and over again. That, to me, is really strongly associated with a, with a lack of magnesium. And you find that giving patients, you know, a therapeutic dose of magnesium can help them sort of switch their brains off and go to sleep. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And also because magnesium helps with the other brain chemical that helps us sleep melatonin doesn't it that's right yeah so it's um it's a required cofactor for melatonin production so you can see without sufficient magnesium you can get into this vicious cycle you know you've got hyper arousal during the day and then you're not producing enough melatonin to help you sleep at night interestingly if you lose two hours sleep a night that will also deplete your magnesium levels and perpetuating that cycle exactly yeah which is pretty you know, daunting when you think about that. So if I'm not sleeping well, I deplete my magnesium. That then causes that hyperarousal. I'm more likely to be stressed and strung out the next day. I'm not going to have enough magnesium the next day to be able to help me generate enough melatonin, which is then what puts me to sleep, generates my sleep cycles. And I can get into that constant cycle of poor sleep and insomnia. Mm. And that's something that we see very common in clinic. Mm, Definitely. So what else is magnesium doing for... 
um, for energy, like you've talked about stress and mood disorders. Um, or probably before we do move into the energy, you did mention PMT there. So how is uh, magnesium involved in PMT? Yeah, so I guess um, so magnesium, as we've just said, helps your brain to relax. But it's also important throughout your body to help your muscles relax. So muscle contraction is mediated by calcium. Um, if we've got enough magnesium, it helps to displace that calcium and allows our muscles to relax. So this becomes really beneficial well, for lots of things. As you mentioned, PMT, so that cramping of that smooth muscle in the uterus can help to relax that. It's also good for nocturnal muscle cramps, um, you know, tension headaches, uh, and high blood pressure, interestingly. Um, mm. It can act as almost like a, a natural calcium channel blocker to help relax those arteries. And some of our clients have had their, their blood pressure reduced by about 10 points just from magnesium. Yeah, so calcium channel blocker, for those listening, is a type of hypertensive or anti-high um, blood pressure medication. So yeah, the magnesium can, by by relaxing the blood vessels, helps to also, re- and relaxing the muscles, you can get those effects on reducing blood pressure, you can get those effects on that muscle tension, tension headaches, cramping of smooth muscle, like you're saying, um, from you know PMS or PMT, uh, which is really cool. In saying that, though, if I take magnesium and my blood pressure is not high, it's not going to drop my blood pressure, is it? No, no. So we're not sort of forcing any pathways here. We're just helping to regulate the natural systems. So without sufficient magnesium, you get constriction of those muscles. Once you get sufficient magnesium, those muscles relax appropriately. But they're not going to over-relax and drop your blood pressure below where it should be. Yeah, it's just if I'm, if I'm overly constricted, it'll relax it Correct. it should be. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so really important for someone if they're getting... Like, I think the leg cramps is a really common thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and common to be experienced in pregnancy is where you can see those benefits um, for, you know, women waking in the middle of the night with, like, calf cramps. Magnesium in pregnancy is fantastic for many things. So, yes, helping with those cramps. Also, you know, for the mood regulation. Um, and also high blood pressure, preeclampsia, is often a, often a threat in pregnancy. So it can help to, to reduce the risk of that. Yeah, okay, great. So how then is magnesium helping for energy? Yeah, so um, all of our cells in our body use this fuel called ATP, which I'm sure we all learn about back in high school phys ed. Um, You need magnesium to produce ATP. So no magnesium, no fuel. Right. That simple. So if if I just don't have enough energy, magnesium could be just a a factor for that. I don't have enough magnesium, it's a building block to make the energy molecule ATP, so that's important. Absolutely, and we sort of see that beneficial effect in clinic when we're dealing with people who might have, say, chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia. We can support that energy production with magnesium, and it gets them some good clinical results. So even in extreme cases, like of those really fatigue-debilitating cases and conditions, magnesium is still beneficial. So if I'm just a little bit tired... Uh, magnesium can certainly be helping me and I guess also magnesium has that anti-inflammatory effect Mm. where it's beneficial for the fibromyalgia where that person has like really sore tender muscles just all the time and we see that magnesium deficiency is associated with that yeah and in terms of pain going back to the glutamate that we spoke about before a lot of your pain signaling is mediated by glutamate Mm. So by giving magnesium, we can help reduce people's hypersensitivity to pain and inflammation as well. Yeah, definitely. And by that hypersensitivity, you're talking about the fact that when I'm in chronic pain, what happens is my nervous system, I guess through the plasticity that we were talking about, which is where it can become detrimental, is our 
nervous system is constantly remodeling itself to the stimulus that we have. And if that stimulus is chronic pain, then I, re- I rewire my nervous system to become hypersensitive to that chronic pain. And now going forward, a small amount of pain can trigger a louder pain response right. where that magnesium by blocking that glutamate can stop that constant stimulation of those pain pathways. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, we, you know, again, we see the benefits there of not just for the pain, but also for the mood, isn't it? Because people with chronic pain conditions tend to then be, because it's the same kind of brain chemicals, neurotransmitters involved, can then start to affect their mood. And so, also being in pain all the time makes you cranky. It sucks, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And so it's such a common thing for, for patients to come into us and, you know, they've started off with some sort of chronic pain and then eventually they end up on, on antidepressants because mm. their mood just deteriorates so badly or they can't sleep which also, you know, obviously negatively affects their mood. Yeah, definitely. Now, in terms of, you know, mentioning antidepressants, if someone is taking medications, um, you know, they're taking some sedative medications for, for their anxiety or they're taking antidepressants or they're taking analgesics for their pain or anti-inflammatories for their pain, is it safe to be using magnesium alongside those medications? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I would say, you know, maybe separate them by a couple of hours because they can bind up in your gut sometimes. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, there's no interactions um, no, no harmful interactions with them. Yeah, and like, like always, be making sure you're working with that practitioner, I of guess. Course. But it, magnesium is a very safe, uh, safe mineral, safe supplement. Yeah, very safe, very well tolerated by most people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, beyond stress, pain, inflammation, energy, um, lowering our blood uh, blood pressure. Is there anything else that the magnesium is good for? Yeah. So I mean, it's important for bone health mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, there is some suggestion that it has a positive effect on your microbiome, but that's probably a chat for another day. The other thing it's really good for is uh, blood sugar regulation. So it's really important to help maintain our insulin sensitivity, so the ability of our cells to to uptake and and utilise sugar. So if I'm struggling with blood sugar stabilisation, like in the case of diabetes, really helpful to get that sugar into my blood get that glucose into my blood absolutely and again like safe to take alongside diabetes or yeah so i mean it can have um a blood sugar lowering effect so if you've got patients or people who are on metformin um you probably want to you know monitor their blood sugar to make sure it doesn't get too low but yeah very safe to take alongside take those caveats so long as you so long as you're working with your practitioner about it again Again, yeah, yeah always always make sure you're dealing with the practitioner who knows what they're doing okay so, wow, there's a lot of really important functions that magnesium's doing. Um, I can see where we start to, this 300 chemical reactions starts to come into play. I'm thinking that a lot of the people listening may be resonating with a lot of these symptoms. You're talking about a lack of sleep, you're talking about muscle tension, you're talking about headaches, you're talking about PMT and cramping, um, you're talking about high blood pressure. So if I'm listening to this and thinking, yeah, I, I've got some of these symptoms, does that mean I'm magnesium deficient? Uh, yeah, so deficient is uh, a funny word. They, you know, they may not show up on a blood test as being frankly deficient, but certainly that would be an indication of an increased need for magnesium, um, that you're burning through more magnesium that you're consuming and that functionally you, you do need a bit more for, for optimal health. And I find in clinic you know, 95% of my patients end up with some sort of magnesium supplement and it benefits them. You know, those guys that are just generally strung out which is almost everyone in the modern world. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned there that there's some things if you're burning through your magnesium. What's going to make me burn through my magnesium quicker? Mm. So, um, ironically, stress, um, lack of sleep, of exactly. course, yeah. but other common things, um, alcohol, caffeine, 
um, diuretic medications. The contraceptive pill can do it. Um, even like your, your proton pump inhibitor medications. Um, excessive sweating is another one. So lots and lots of things that are really common in everyone's lives that can deplete magnesium. Okay, and then if that's the case, how do I go about replenishing that magnesium? How do I get more of it into me? So I recommend supplementation generally to okay. achieve a therapeutic dose of magnesium. It's kind of hard to get um, that level of magnesium from our foods. Why is that? Well, firstly, it's in foods that people generally don't like to eat. You know, it's in the healthy foods like your green leafy vegetables and your nuts and seeds and that sort of thing. Um, but also there's, there's not a lot in these foods, um, even if you are eating all these good healthy foods. So for example, a cup of spinach is going to give you about 24 milligrams of magnesium. And when we're talking of therapeutic ranges of three to 600 milligrams, you know, you're looking at 15 to 20 cups of spinach a day to get that amount into you, which is not realistic for most people. No, I can't see many people having that much spinach every single day, unless you're Popeye. So <laughs> um, when you're saying, like, while these foods are high in magnesium, it's just that, as you're, as you're saying there, that you've got to eat a hell of a lot of that food to actually get enough magnesium for it to count. Yeah, and that's assuming that you're not sweating, you're sleeping well, you're not stressed, you're not drinking alcohol or coffee or you know, any of these other things that are going to deplete it. Good point, good point. So to get that three to 600 milligrams of magnesium, how how do you recommend doing that? Like obviously oral supplementation tends to be the main way that people do it. I know there's different forms of magnesium. What are the forms of magnesium that you'd recommend and what's the difference between the forms of magnesium people can buy in supplements? Yeah, so I mean, you want to be getting, as we said, three to 600 milligrams per day for a therapeutic dose. What's important to know is that that needs to be of elemental magnesium. Okay, what do you mean by elemental? Yeah, so magnesium, you're never going to find it just on its own. If you pick up any, any mineral supplement and have a look, it's going to be magnesium something. So it might be a salt, so something like magnesium oxide or magnesium gluconate, something like that. Or it could be a protein. So you might see a, you know, magnesium amino acid chelate or one of my favourite forms, magnesium bisglycinate. Okay. What's the difference between a protein and a salt form of magnesium then? Yes, effectively by binding magnesium uh, to a protein. So in the case of the bisglycinate, it's a glycine protein. We've got two of them, bi-glycine. Bi meaning two in two. Latin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it just makes it easier for the body to absorb, effectively. It gets taken up through the protein channels and it's just much more easily absorbed than some of those salt forms. And the salt forms can produce different effects as well, can't they? Yeah, so they, I mean, they do have their place, um, predominantly as laxatives. <laughs> Not, which isn't good unless you want that effect. It can be a bad side effect. So uh, magnesium oxide, for instance, is probably the main one you're talking about here. Like a magnesium oxide, oxide is a very big molecule, meaning that it doesn't get absorbed outside of the, the gastrointestinal tract. So it's in our intestine, and then that keeps the magnesium in our intestine. And because magnesium is an electrolyte, it draws water to itself. Right. That means you start drawing all this water to your bowel, mm-hmm. which isn't fun unless you want that to happen, and you're all sort of backed up and constipated. Mm. And that's where people can get this like flushing effect and that laxative effect from magnesium oxide. That's right. And you know, yeah, like you say, well, that is good if that's the effect you're going for. If you're looking to support your stress and your energy production and your blood sugar regulation, that's not what you want. You need a form that can be taken up readily into the bloodstream and so you can get that therapeutic dose of elemental magnesium in your body doing what it's supposed to do. Okay, so be mindful that not all magnesiums are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're saying look for a magnesium biglycinate 
and that's yep. giving you magnesium attached to some two proteins. Correct. And then that's got a higher bioavailability, meaning it gets into your blood. The more magnesium I deliver to my blood, the better therapeutic effect I'm going to be getting. Yeah, and most importantly, look at that label to make sure that the equivalent or elemental magnesium is at the levels you want, three to 600 milligrams a day. I tend to find working with up around that 600 milligrams of elemental magnesium and time frame of around about the sort of eight-week mark. Obviously, it depends on what it is for, but between that eight-week mark, I can start to get magnesium levels back up to a good amount. I'll start to find that maybe within that two- to four-week mark, people will be getting effects of reducing the stress, helping them sleep, reducing the muscle tension, the leg cramps, pulling the blood pressure down. So they'll see an effect in that two to four weeks. Mm -hmm. But I often encourage my patients to go through to the eight-week mark on that 600 milligrams so that we can really get their stores back up. And then after that, we can start to work on the 300 milligrams. I don't know if you find the same sort of thing. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Um, I think that two to four weeks, most people will feel a bit better. Eight weeks, you're sort of starting to get back up to the levels you want. Um, And then, you know, assuming that we're not still doing things that are depleting our magnesium and that we've got lots of magnesium-rich foods in our diet, then, you know, you can often drop back to about 300 milligrams just just to keep people in check. Now, obviously, still encouraging good, healthy magnesium dietary consumption, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fantastic. And you alluded to this before about, you know, magnesium and B6 can be useful for some stress. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so coupling that magnesium with other vitamins or other minerals that can be useful depending upon what's going on can be useful isn't it like if i've got pain and um, muscle tension is the main reason why i need magnesium would i be right in assuming that you'd practice the same way i do and i'd combine that magnesium with some other important ingredients to have the best results for my pain and muscle tension versus if you were giving me magnesium for my stress and insomnia. Yeah, absolutely. So there's going to be other supportive nutrients and herbs even that you can give alongside depending on the specific condition. But again, we're sort of in the space where you want to be dealing with a practitioner who knows all about these supplements, knows about herb-drug interactions and all that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, yeah, I would encourage people to go and see a practitioner. So get that magnesium prescribed for you that's healthy and safe for what you need it for. Yeah. Now, that's not to say most people won't benefit just from a a good form of magnesium with a bit of B6 in it. Uh, But if we're talking about treating specific conditions, I think it is worth getting a specific formula from a practitioner. Now, while we're talking about the idea of magnesium and, and B6 or magnesium and other combinations... One thing I do think of is that I'm mindful if I'm giving magnesium to someone who's um, suffering from insomnia and has trouble sleeping, to be careful if there's B vitamins in that formula. I don't want them taking that just before bed because those B vitamins may actually keep them awake. Yeah, some people are a bit sensitive to B vitamins. It can stimulate them a little bit. Uh, In that case, I'd be recommending that they take their first dose with breakfast and their second dose somewhere around lunchtime. But Definitely before 3 p.m. And then you'll find that you know that stimulation doesn't keep them awake. Mm, they get the benefits of the B vitamins to help give them more energy if they're not sleeping well, but it doesn't stop them from sleeping. Yes. And while you're talking about combining um, magnesium with other ingredients, a thing that I'll often get asked is, oh, don't I need to take magnesium with calcium? Don't I need to have the right ratio for that to be absorbed? Yeah, I remember they used to talk about that back in the day when I was at uni. Um, look, I think that's a, a little bit of an old wife's tale. Um, The thought was that giving calcium alongside magnesium would help the absorption. 
Uh, but we've got plenty of scientific research showing that just using a good form of magnesium on its own um, has therapeutic effects and there was no detrimental effects in terms of the, the calcium-magnesium ratio. And talking about the research, it's funny because if you actually go back and look at race, uh, research to try and find validation of giving magnesium alongside calcium, yeah, good luck. there's actually nothing that exists <laughs> on that. Yeah. And in terms of taking the... You know, the timing of the magnesium you talked about with breakfast and then maybe the afternoon i often find taking the magnesium sort of around food or after food is often just helps it sit a little bit better in the stomach as well for most people i don't know yes. what you recommend yeah i think and also a lot of your magnesium formulas are going to have a bit of zinc in there as well um so which can really upset your an empty stomach so i would generally recommend all mineral supplementation happen happen after meals yeah. um and with magnesium if people haven't had it before you probably want to introduce it in a smaller dose and in divided doses and then sort of build it up as their as their tolerance improves yeah i mean if you're using a magnesium bisglycinate it tends to be well tolerated um, which is the benefits yeah. of you saying from that because you're not getting all that magnesium hanging around in the gut because it all just basically gets sucked out and pulled into the blood and then goes to where it needs to go so but yeah i totally agree doing that you know maybe 300 milligrams elemental like splitting it into two doses or three doses through the day and putting that after food um for those that did just pick up on your mention of zinc there i guess zinc is another important mineral maybe it's worth us talking about that at some time really important for men and men's health Mm -hmm. and uh zinc on an empty stomach will tend to make people sick and so that's why if you've got zinc in any supplements often it can be in magnesium but if you are taking zinc in anything else just be mindful that make sure you take that after some good food yeah yeah for sure as for magnesium though really important so you're talking to us about the fact that it is important to keep that harmony in the brain making sure that we don't have an imbalance in those neurotransmitters and those brain chemicals we don't want too much acceleration of that glutamate we got to pull that back balance that out with the nice calming effects of the GABA that'll help us if we're suffering from that you know circular worrying thoughts obsessive thoughts anxiety panic attacks if I can't switch off and go to sleep my magnesium is important there to help produce the melatonin which is the hormone that we need to be able to produce to help us go to sleep at night and regulate our, our sleep cycles. You talk to us about how it's also important for the relaxation of our blood vessels to bring down our blood pressure and for the relaxation of our muscles to help with any muscular tension, pain, headaches, cramping. Um, you've also talked about how it helps to utilize our glucose out of our blood and help to stabilize our blood glucose levels. And I think, is there anything else that I've missed in the importance of how if I've you know, magnesium deficiency could predispose someone to symptoms or conditions there? No, I guess just as a, as a final comment, I would say that, you know, there's probably six people in Australia who aren't stressed. Um, in modern life, everyone is stressed. So we're all burning through magnesium. Our diets, for the most part, aren't what they should be. So I would just say that most people living in the modern world should be considering some sort of magnesium supplementation. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we can, a lot of us will resonate and be able to relate to a lot of those symptoms and think that's me and that may not be the pure cause for that condition or those symptoms, but it's certainly a, a foundational sort of cover that you want to make sure is there because if you don't have enough magnesium, you're not going to be able to improve those symptoms. Yeah, of course, we always want to approach things holistically and look at everything that can be contributing to conditions. But I think magnesium, as you've said, is one of those foundation building blocks for, for you know, especially when it comes to stress and energy production. Mm. And it's been confirmed by studies where they look at Australian populations and they look at, I think, 80-odd percent of uh, teenagers, kids and adults with sort of varying percentages across each of those different age brackets. But 
most of them were really low in magnesium and then resonating with those and producing those symptoms there. That's right. So thanks so much for your time, Nick. I think that really explains to us how important magnesium is, how it's important to be getting it through good sources in our diet. And if we've got some of these symptoms, making sure we're taking therapeutic doses of a high bioavailable magnesium and, you know, combining that with other ingredients that could help with whatever the, those symptoms are, working with that practitioner can allow us to get that right form, right dose of magnesium to help us for our health complaints. That's right. Thanks so much for your time, Nick. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Your Health Guide. Any resources or links discussed in the episode can be found at metagenics.com.au. To help you continue on your health journey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you found this episode useful, please rate and review us. If you have any questions about how this information could relate to your health condition, please go and speak to your natural healthcare practitioner who can provide you with specific advice for your health needs.